no. No, 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 man. No, 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 no
knowing knowing J.K. Rowling's true colors and spending the last four years doing this kind of analysis of literally everything we've ever watched mm. has has made it hard to just read the books to my son anymore. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's what I have going on. How about you? <laughs> well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin and U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California, uh, and uh, just I, I I want to apologize to you in some ways that we've ruined all the things ever. Because um, as soon as you said, "Oh yeah, I'm reading them to my son," I'm like, because you want him to know about the Blitz this early, like which. <laughs> Because, because that's where my brain goes is like, oh, this is clearly a woman whose whose grandparents lived through the Blitz, and therefore her writing is such and such. Yeah, okay. and then in addition, all the other you know shit, like the the yeah. very ill informed uh, Nazi references as told by the granddaughter of someone who probably fought against the Nazis. Yeah, um, you know, it just like yeah. So again, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking at it from that lens. Like I yeah. I cannot I cannot imagine not looking at it through these lenses now um yeah which uh you know my daughter uh so i've got uh two things one i was uh informing some folks who were coming over uh for a small gathering uh mm. number one please uh please check your status you know yes um and uh and, and just so you know you know my kids uh they their status is clear uh they're both negative uh, but uh, they do have a sniffle, so they're going to be masked up. Um, and if you want to come, despite having symptoms of just regular illness, not not COVID, then um, then please wear a mask. But if you don't want to be there because my kids will be there and be masked, then you don't have to. Uh, and on and on. And yeah, just yeah. kind of given all the uh, you know if thens. And yeah. I told my daughter, I was like, well, so, you know, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. I said, I still want you there. Uh, you know, I'm not going to send you up to your room or anything, but this is what I need to do so that they can make a choice that is informed, dignified consent. And she says, wow, you you really thought of all of that for, for everyone? I said, yeah, I do that all the time. And she just looks at me. She's like, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it is. But that is, that is so you. Yes. And so very your daughter. Yes. Like, but, um, wow. And she saw the value of it too. Yeah. So. But, uh, so my, my update is that I decided that I needed to clean out my pantry and I don't know why I decided I needed to do that, but I'm glad that I did. I filled an entire garbage bag with expired things. Um, and I don't mean like, Oh, it just expired last month. I mean, stuff that like had a 2020 date on it. That's that's three years later than some of the things. Oh, um, shit. Howdy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how long you'd been in that house. Uh-huh. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. So like things that I had clearly purchased when I was married. Uh, so, you know, because there's some things that's got like a six year date because it's a powder. Right. Yeah. But eventually, you know, that that will also. So. And it was also, it turns out, I have bought curry four times. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no idea what that's like um, at all. It, yeah, <laughs> and I and I hope I never do it again. Well, see, I have the excuse of uh, my kids love to cook. Okay, and so they'll give me a, a recipe list, and if I'm not thinking about like, oh, let me yeah. cross check against what we've got. Oh, yeah. But then I got to the point where I was opening the the pantry, and it just was overwhelming. 
Yeah. And so I showed my kids today and I'm like, okay, so now these are alphabetized and there's this. And my daughter was just like, thank you so much for doing this. I, I hated like asking you five times, dad, can you reach this? Dad, can you reach this? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And by the way, the, the 18 kinds of flour we have, because your brother makes all these damn weird cookies. Um, <laughs> they're all <laughs> in the back over there. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, I will confess that in our in our pantry, uh, which mm. is just a set of shelves in our garage, um, but but our, you our have pantry... a garage. <laughs> <laughs> I should be so lucky. Yeah, mine's yeah. just a cabinet. Actually, it's not a walk-in. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. ours ours is uh, a significant portion of the space in our garage. Which, sure. by the way, we're never going to put a car in. Okay, like, that's wow. just never never going to happen. I'm like, never, never not going to put a car in my garage. Yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. So anyway. Yeah, no, I, I I understand that struggle, and mm-hmm. um, if if I weren't frankly kind of afraid of the prospect of doing it, I'd be listening to you saying that and going, you know, we probably ought to do that with ours. Yeah, but um, I'm still in that in that terrified headspace, and I really don't want to deal with that. I get it. I I tried to like, do it yesterday, and I decided, you know, this nap that I found is so much more compelling. <laughs> So I did that. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I even got a, a message from my partner and she said, um, hey, uh, how'd the uh, pantry clean go? And I was like, I had a really good nap. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It it didn't. The answer no. is it, it, yeah. it did it not. It stayed. It didn't it, go. It stayed. It didn't go. <laughs> so, no. Today, and here's the funny thing. Uh, oh, funny you say that. I, I used that yeah. on a show recently. Oh. Um, but uh, the the pantry took maybe forty five minutes total, and oh. it could be because I spent so much time as a temp that cleaning things out is actually pretty easy for me. Okay, because, I know, could that's I how could I do make it. Make sure yeah. that I get my school supplies. Um, yeah, but but um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. But, but well, it's it's always it's it's one of those kinds of tasks that's on that list of you spend a week. Mm-hmm. stressing out about it and not wanting to do it and then you do it and you're like well shit if i oh, just gotten to it it wouldn't have taken yeah. oh yeah I, I spent a month yeah. promising myself that i would do it each weekend <laughs> that's what i did so. yeah okay yeah. i do want to share this one last thing okay yeah. producer george um and friend of the show uh dr gabriel cruz will find oh. this hilarious you okay. will too um found a new game uh free to play which you're going to need to download um, which if you haven't already, you might have, but um, we're playing, it's a uh, call of duty, modern warfare too. Oh yeah. Um, no, I downloaded okay, it. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. So got in there and it's the exact same controls as all the other first person shooters that we play and, and okay. audience, I think for a living, I think for fun, I think for fun again, that kind of makes money sometimes. I think for fun for this show, um, when I play a game, I don't want to think. Yeah. So I don't. So it's first yeah. person shooters and I just, you know, like to chat with my pals. So yeah. we're playing. It's a good game. time. We have yeah. a lot of fun. Producer yeah. George and I are playing Modern Warfare 2. And I don't know how, but because I the controls are exactly the same. And oh, no. I am stone cold moronic in this new map. I don't know how to do things. I'm staring <laughs> at the sky. It's the same controls. And I'm I'm doing it like I'm using my nose. And it just <laughs> okay. So, so the so, question occurs yeah. to me: Is there a difference in like the control 
mechanisms can no all difference. be totally the same. Is there's no difference in rate all of things turn? Being equal. Nope. All things really? being equal. Yeah. It's just the environment. It, it is strictly just the environment. The environment and like it's so like one of the first things you're supposed to do is ping something on the map and go to it. So the essential set a goal, any goal, and accomplish it. Okay. It took me four games to figure out how to do it. Like, like I'm just an idiot. And it, it so so then like I'm I'm going around and just being an idiot the whole way and and not on purpose. And I'm talking about how how incompetent I feel and how like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe it. Yeah. And and on and on. So and and producer George is just laughing his head off at me, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. And uh and and because I'm dragging us both down, uh <laughs> because my 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 idiocy well, knows no bounds. Okay, even even on your best day, producer mm-hmm. George is the one who winds up with a sore lower back because he's carrying you oh, yeah. and me. Oh, most definitely, all the time. So, so, but, so, yeah. But, I'm, but you're I'm, actually really a hindrance here. I really am. Like I'm just <laughs> okay. So it is a thankless job for producer George. Um, and so I'm doing that, and then in between uh, missions, there is a, a, a chat that pops up. And he and I have just been talking to each other, but a chat pops up and it says, you know, we can hear you, right? I was like, that's not from you, is it, George? No. Can other people hear us? Yes, we can hear you. And then it says, you're in the uh, the map chat, not your party chat. To which I start to realize that... <laughs> You've time. been monologuing the entire the time. time, and these people, to I'm God sure, and everybody, everybody's been hearing how stupid I am, and probably seeing evidence of my stupidity the whole yeah, time. Yeah. And yeah. just, I, they've got to be talking to each other at this point, going like, "Did he seriously die within two minutes of being on this map? Like, all he was supposed to do was open a door. Like, how did he? How did he die? He has a parachute. <laughs> like, he drowned. How did he drown?" Like it's a swimming pool. Like it just so so much, and and so I just I said to them, you know, a, a couple of times, I'm like, oh, well, okay, uh, we're gonna go into party chat. Um, everybody, you're very welcome. I hope that you've enjoyed. Uh, so anyway, so so I'm just picturing somebody mm-hmm. else's party chat. Two two guys just saying. He he knows he has to know we can hear him right. Somebody's got to tell him, don't you dare! Right, and and then something along the lines of like you know they're probably betting, and like <laughs> like no no nobody's that stupid. This is performance art. So anyway, we've indulged my idiocy enough. Yeah, uh, you're you're taking the helm on this one. I, I yes yes I we're am continuing your good. Work uh, we're picking on... up yeah we're picking up where we left off. Yeah. So, um, short form, the seventies suck, right? Um, Good night, and... everybody. Thank you. Yeah, we're done. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, it's 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 a point yeah. we've come back to. It should be one of the so many times. One of the one of the rules, you know, yeah. of the show is you know rule number four: the seventies just sucked. Yeah. Any any um, episode that starts based in the seventies <laughs> has to acknowledge that the seventies yes. just sucked. Yeah. So, um, we had been talking about the decline mm-hmm. 
in American prestige and and specifically, most especially the post-war concept of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had um, last episode, we talked about um, femi- the, the rise of uh, second wave feminism. Yes. Uh, the androgyny coming up in popular culture mm-hmm. and the visibility. And I'm not going to say acceptance but the increasing visibility of and public awareness of uh, LGBTQ identities yes, and the fact that those people existed. Yeah, there's like, a wink and a nod culture going on at that point, right? Like there's everybody knows now that biker bars and leather bars are places where you can have a homosexual encounter. Yeah. For men. You know, yeah. everybody and there's there's certain tropey type things. Everybody's starting to make the joke about bowling leagues for women. Yeah. And and then softball leagues, actually, in the summer. Yeah. Like it, it really was a seasonal. Yeah. Kind Women's of thing. women. Leagues. Yeah. Hold on a sec. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. OK. Sorry. I had a couple of warnings pop up anyway. All right. Uh, about connectivity of my devices. Anyway, um, so androgyny in popular culture, mm-hmm. uh, you know, second wave feminism, all of a sudden women are waking up and going, you know, um, aside from the fact that we can vote now, there's still an awful lot of shit going on that's just kind of not fair. And and we'd really like to talk about that. And may I ask, um, are you going to cover the sexual revolution in talking about this, or is this a good place to stop down for a second and, and discuss that? I, we can totally do that. Okay. I, I think that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. There was a study done in, it was 1950. It was a British study in 1950. Okay. I remember cause the numbers matched up and I was like, what the hell? Mm. And they asked women, how important is sex in a marriage? Okay, so it's a it's a long term study. This is one of the questions that they asked, and literally fifty percent of women said yes, it's important. Which means half of all married women, because this was uh, they asked married women this, yeah, half of all married women said it was not that important in nineteen fifty. Now this is English women, British women, nineteen fifty. So consider everything that's going on in Britain. Lie back and think of England, right? Lie back and the Queen, Uh, King and country. Um, so it's, you know, it's 1950. There's, there's yeah. a lot of trauma. There's a lot of PTSD. There's, uh, there's a lot of like, there's a lot fewer men, you know, there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot going on here. Okay. So there's yeah. a ton of baggage, yeah, yeah. but the fact is half of women don't think that sex is that important in a marriage. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. 1976, same survey. Yeah. 76% of women think that sex is important in a marriage. Okay, wait. The numbers really? matched up. Literally? That was the weird part. Yes. I mean, I the the increase doesn't surprise me, but the precision. Yeah. No, and that's why it stuck <laughs> out in my head those numbers so much. Kind of like what the yeah, fuck? It, okay. It's weird that it's kind of like also in the 1950s, uh, the families that had three children in America tripled, and the families that had four children in America quadrupled. Quadrupled. Yeah, it's just yeah, kind I of a weird that one. Yeah. work of math. Um. But okay, so from 50 to 76, many of the women asked are the same women. Okay, oh. so 26 years later, think about that, right? Their husbands haven't suddenly gotten good at dicking, right? It's not yeah. It's not that. It's not that there's been an increase 
within those marriages. It's yeah. not that they raise their daughters to want sex with their husbands more yeah. or to expect more. That's not what's going on. What's going on is there was a sexual revolution it came about partly due to the pill because you could finally have fun with sex yeah. instead of like have it in the back of your head at all times that this could end up in a child. Yeah. Um. But women and culture started valuing women's sex differently and more positively instead of as a duty. Um, it became an integral part of a marriage. It became yeah. an important part of the marriage. And that is an empowering type of thing. Very much so. Yes. Um, and it is an important kind of thing because <laughs> now it's valuing their own joy and their own pleasure. And I think that when you talk about second wave feminism, and ultimately third wave as well, because then yeah. he, second wave feminism still like talks in terms of lavender menace type shit um, to some extent. <laughs> um, yes. But third wave feminism like is actually like, OK, and now we're going to include everybody yeah. that's not middle aged white women. Um, cis uh, middle class. Women. Yeah. Um, oh, both. sorry. Middle class. <laughs> I said middle aged. Yeah. Well, um, you know, both. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, third wave, uh, is much, much a, a different, a different cat, but the, um, the idea of intersectionality. Yes. Um, and, and is a making, big part of third wave making space and getting the fuck out of the way, you know? Yeah. Um, having said that, uh, yeah. this, this focus on sex being important, this focus on a woman's pleasure, um, coalescing with androgyny and, and things like that and coalescing with an awareness of other sexualities other than what at that time was considered the default setting. Um, it's a real interesting convergence there. Well, it really is. And you know, what's, what's, what pops into my head as you, as you mentioned that, and I think ties in with, with this whole, you know, idea of, you know, traditional ideas of masculinity. Um, there's a, uh, theology, uh, scholar, uh, on TikTok. Uh, and I, I want to say his last name is McLaughlin and he, I know who you're talking about. The, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh guy. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, and he, he, uh, made... all right, let's see it. That's what he yeah, said. Yeah. All right. Let's see it. Uh, and then he, and then he just completely very, very dryly, but you know, it, it's engaging. He just his, corrects his them. affect. It's yeah. Awesome. He's just like, no, that's totally wrong. Uh, <laughs> But uh, one of the points that I found fascinating was he commented on um, sexuality in the context of the people who were writing the Bible and that it was not about male and female so much as it was about dominant and submissive or, or, or penetrative uh, versus pen receiving penetrative partner, versus receiving partner. or passive. Yeah. And, that hierarchy it was it was fundamentally hierarchical yes and i think that's a really profound insight that has something to do with mm -hmm. as much as you know we like to think that by the 1950s 1960s th it was more about men and women and whatever there was still and for right. some sections of of the population, some some subcultures within our mega culture, it still is very much a hierarchical. There is a superior and an inferior 
right you know uh partner and the idea that women who as the wife in the house and with all of the other things tied to feminine gender roles for centuries would suddenly be asserting themselves and saying hey you know what um i'd really like to have an orgasm once in a while right uh how about how about we how about we we work on this and you know turn this into a partnership thing you know for for anybody who for for cishet white men of a certain mindset there's a really deep level on which that could be really that was deeply threatening mm-hmm. because all yeah. of a sudden well wait a minute you mean i've i've got to i've got to put in effort now like well, wait, and the, my up. effort can't just go toward me yeah like yeah it's not yeah, like, merely a transaction i yeah. take care of you this is you taking care of yeah. me it's not just transactional sex yeah because it's, it's not hierarchical it's like you said yeah and and you know so that you know all all of that leads to the way in which that was so threatening for you know all of the all of the commentators and and you mentioned um what's her name i've i've completely i've completely blanked on her name right now but the uh country singer no no uh the uh she wound up she she lost her uh endorsement from the orange juice people because of her comments about um, anita bryant yes thank you yeah you know, for for the the Anita Bryant crowd, mm-hmm. you know, forget about LGBTQ identities. This idea of, you know, men being told, well, you know, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. What or, is, or is, more, is a, I would say more to the point. What you have done is not enough anymore. And therein yes. lies the entitlement of of the system that the men were raised under. If yeah. I provide a home and hearth i get all these things yeah they're mine by right you know and yeah. and and yeah that's so yes yes and and you've got phyllis schlafly as well uh in that mix you know well. her name kept coming up in my head but i was yeah. like am i remembering her right yes well okay. yeah she's good to know very regressive yeah but okay. and and that's you know mostly the american end of things there's certainly other yeah. people across the pond you know in 1970 also uh our bodies ourselves came out um, which is oh, absolutely yeah. yeah, and that oh, I think gra- was published out of Earth, yeah. Earth shattering. Like it was published out of Boston, if I recall. Um, and it was for right. women's health specifically, um, women's sexual health. Like it was a, a, an entire book dedicated to that. You know, yeah. It's, so yes, all of these things, and you've got Anita Bryant uh, in yeah. the late seventies. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, feeling like she's got to stick up for men. Mm-hmm. Because like, I'm sorry, they've been on the top of the heap for like fucking ever. And the whole point, the mm-hmm. whole point that everybody was trying to make is, hey, look, you've been on the top of the heap. Can we maybe level the heap out a little bit? Well, not only that, you know, but I would I would also say that like by making it that transactional, by making it that entitled, you've also trapped men into being producers. And they can't enjoy things just for the sheer joy of them either. And they can't let up. You have to keep producing. You want sex. You have to keep bringing home the bacon. You want, you know, to be able to go out and smoke and drink with the boys. You have to make sure that we make the rent. You, you, you want any joy 
you must produce for it and then you are entitled to this joy and it is just this yeah whole... well yeah no it's yeah. it's it's gross i mean from mm-hmm. a from a from a modern progressive standpoint it's grotesque yeah you know it's it's it really like is. the 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 tag group on facebook the straights are not okay <laughs> you know, yeah like there's there's some unhealthy shit going on there yeah but they've been so enmeshed in this belief of the men have mm-hmm. of this is what a man does yes. this is what a man gets by his right um these things therefore uh and and the second you start saying whoa let's let's take a look at these rules a second it's like i've put all of my level up points into this into, into this area into this stat and you're yeah. now telling me that this stat is not the thing that will win D for me yeah this is yeah, yeah. I, I can't just max out strength and like do everything right now now you're telling me i need dexterity too right like imagine <laughs> imagine if there was like, like literally in the 1970s literally fantasy I need game dexter- yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh-huh. wait a minute yeah <laughs> Like there's a reason all this stuff is churning up. Oh yeah, in the shitty time in the seventies. I mean, hell, we just um, we we a little while back we talked about punk music. Same thing. Yeah, it gets oh, started yeah. in the seventies. Like most of the things that we have talked about, I think, um, that have a darkness to them, um, or have a rebellion to them, tend to come out of the same period of time where it is obvious. Yeah, that the rules are are fucked up. And they need yeah. to change. And yeah. different people's reactions lead to different things. So yeah. a a Wisconsinite uh, from Ohio uh, develops a fantasy world in which you can buy sex. Um, and there's charts for it. Greg <sighs> uh, Axon has goddamn charts, I tell you what. Uh, um, you know, you've got fantasy role-playing. You've got, you know, it, and you also have porn chic coming out at the same time. That's true. You know, you have uh, Marilyn Chambers. You have, uh, oh yeah. God, what's her name? I was going to say Lucy Lawless, but that's not her name. Um, the Deep Throat. I mean, you've got, um, yeah, I'll forget. I'll remember. Yeah, I, I'm I'm blanking on it too. But you've got but, yeah. these kinds of things that are coming into the the zeitgeist. Linda and, Lovelace. Thank you. I, I'm I ashamed of else. myself for remembering that. Yeah, but you're fine. Yes. It's, it's actually, it's an important part of time. No, um, okay. But you've got those things going on. Yeah. And I think it does kind of tie back to this idea of masculinity as a transactional model and a productive model and people's reaction to the fact that it is no longer enough. I How did I not earn her? Yeah. How did I not earn this? I played by all the rules. So, okay. And I'm sorry so, I hijacked everything. No, 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 it's, no, because it's a, it's a brilliant fucking set of points. No, it's awesome. Um, but what occurs to me right now, as we're, as we're having this conversation is that right now, uh, you know, very recently we've had the, um, I don't want to say downfall, but the, the, um, well, downfall at work. We, we've had we've had a very prominent, um, I don't want to say men's rights activist, but a a very prominent online misogynist, uh, you know who oh, who yeah. very much uh, was trying to uh, reignite that set of sexist ideas about you know women owing men 
sex. Mm-hmm. We have the whole incel movement where yeah. there's this whole generation of of young men, you know, younger than you and me, mm-hmm. uh, who have bought into this idea that there is some kind of conspiracy preventing them from getting any. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and and like the extreme ends of that uh, uh, subculture, you know, calling for legislation to require women to to give themselves up, right, to men, you know, to to utterly eliminate women's sexual agency, um, because they are uneducated. And they are responding to it's it's the it's the you know fifty years later backlash mm-hmm. to this to the same idea and and like everything old is new again you know yeah. oh yeah um and yeah so no it, it's 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 important I, I I genuinely think that somewhere in before going to college I think possibly as part of sexual education in schools, I think we ought to be teaching uh, the history of the, the, you know, sexual liberation movement and, and, you know, getting into the concepts behind the sexual revolution, mm-hmm. you know, uh, partly because I'm a social studies teacher and I want to try to, you know, get our reach into everything as much as possible to make sure that we're completely irreplaceable. Um, but also because, you know, ideologically and mm-hmm. I, as an idealist, you know, I, I think we need to be inoculating. Oh yeah. Young people, uh, especially young men against these horrible, awful, toxic ideas, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, cause it's hurting them as much as it's hurting the young women around them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it it might not be physically as endangering. Yeah, no, it is. It is entirely not right physically as endangering. And, and I should make that's that not, clear. Yeah, well, that's not I, what I was trying. It to was say. clear to me that that yeah. you were saying. But like, yes, creating a society wherein men think that their only value comes again from their earning capability, whether it's earning, um, money or prestige or sex all of that is ultimately um it, it it's like using an eraser on the back of the pencil you are wearing that person down to yeah. end up i yeah. i i i did some looking okay. um during yeah. our little break uh behind yeah. the scenes here folks uh, there's a yeah. bit of a break uh because i remembered in the first D&D and i couldn't i don't have any of the original stuff Okay. But in the very first D and D, there was a harlot table. I don't know if you remember this, but a harlot, and I'll just read it to you as Gygax wrote it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think I remember. Yeah. It might not remember the same thing, but I remember something similar. Go ahead. It's it's random encounters essentially, um, and uh, it it cuts off from the thing above it, but. Harlot encounters can be with brazen strumpets or haughty courtesans, thus making it difficult for the party to distinguish each encounter for what it is. Parentheses. In fact, the encounter could be with a dancer or only a dancer only prostituting herself as it pleases her, an elderly madam, or even a pimp. End parentheses. 
In addition to offering the usual fare, the harlot is 30% likely to know the valuable information, 15% likely to make something up in order to gain a reward, and 20% likely to be or work with a thief. You may find it useful to use the subtable below to see what sort of harlot encounter takes place. So, this is on percental dice. Yes. 1 to 10, slovenly troll. T-R-U-L-L. 11 to 25, brazen strumpet. 26 to 35, cheap trollop. 36 to 50, typical street walker. 51 to 65, saucy tart. 66 to 75, wanton wench. 76 to 85, expensive doxy. D-O-X-Y. Mm. Doxy is a historical term. Oh, okay. I yes. did not know that term. Yes. Oh, hey, the Victorians had oh, a tons. wide yeah. vocabulary yeah. for the description of, of that trade. 86 to 90, haughty courtesan. Yes. 91 to 92, aged madam. Uh -huh. 93 to 94, wealthy procurus. 95 to 98, sly pimp. 99 to 100, rich panderer. The rest of this goes on. An expensive doxy will resemble a gentlewoman, a haughty courtesan, a noblewoman, and the other harlots might be mistaken for good wives, and so forth. Then it moves on to illusionist, because H-I. Well, um, yeah, illusionist encounters will be with an illusionist of 7th to 10th level, D4 plus 6, with 0 to 3 apprentice illusionist, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, so, it's just fucking normal. Oh, oh, it's utterly normalized. And by the way... Yeah, by the way, on by the, the way, next... Like, I can only kind of see the next yeah. uh, column. So, Press Gang, Rake, Rakshasa, Ranger, Ruffian, Shadow. Yeah. Harlot is amongst these net these encounters yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. a it's it's effectively a monster encounter right because because in in ad and d everything effectively was so so that table yes was in the first edition ad and d dungeon master's guide that's what it was yes yes and it, it disappeared after that well yeah once you got to second edition everybody went yeah this no no, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is we're just no. There's no reason for this to be here. We don't need any of this, right? Um, but um, I I have in fact a story mm. uh, from my misspent youth related to that table. I so would just point out that you and I are both public school teachers. Yeah. Okay. No, when on. I was when I was fourteen, mm -hmm. no. No, it was probably when I was 12. My friends and I were were playing, and I had gotten roped into acting as the game master. Mm -hmm. And it was a Saturday afternoon, and I, I basically just said, you know what? I'm just going to throw random encounters at these guys because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to spend too much time thinking about it. And mm -hmm. um, I wound up using because they were in a they were in a city, so I wound up using the random encounter, the urban random encounter table, which all of that stuff is off of. Sure. And I got the harlot result, and then I rolled on the subtable, and I said to them, uh, "Well, as you're, and I I don't remember exactly which category it was, mm -hmm. but I I said to them, uh, you encounter a." group of women like it was like three i think i it was like three in my head somehow i pictured three sure women uh and um 
you know, I, I, I used one of the terms off of the table. I don't remember which of them it was. Mm-hmm. And one of my buddies who did not have the same level of vocabulary as the rest of us at the table said, sure. what does that mean? And you're like, and before I could, oh. before I could respond mm-hmm. from the kitchen, I hear my mother ask, yes, Ed, what does that mean? <laughs> so that encounter ended very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and right now talking to you about this, I kind of want to send my mother a text message and go, by the way, you probably have no memory of this at all, but I want to thank you <laughs> for not allowing this to be normalized in my head when I was 12, because yeah. holy cow. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yes, we are public school teachers, but I was 12 Fair. and okay. you know, so, I, and yes, it, yeah. it ended in a very, very, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. Like this could all be so, on TV kind of way. Yeah. So, so yes, in the seventies, in a fantasy game, that was a thing as I think very much a reaction because you're still in a transactional relationship with this harlot um, because she's 30% likely to do this, 20% likely to do that, yeah, 10% yeah. likely to do this. It is a transactional relationship still. And so the people who are rubber banding and reacting to this um, and, are they're reacting to the fact that the rules yeah. have shifted out from under them. And they were they thought they were doing so well to finally earn that whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting. The it, it strikes me how incredibly reductive. Mm-hmm. It gets, which I mean, anytime you're doing anything with with dice and trying to use random random number generation, it, right. it is reductive. Yep. But the very fact that that particular encounter mm-hmm. would be broken down that much into a okay, and you just roll the dice, and this is this is how you're going to do it in Gygax's head says an awful lot about Gary. Yes. And his and his worldview, and, and it's not friends. flattering. And no. well, yeah, and and the the group of people who sat around his table, yes. Right. Um, but yeah, I it, wow. So so yeah, there's there's this groundswell of uh, change in all of these ways that is that is leaving uh, cishet white dudes mm-hmm. uh, feeling very very threatened whether they should have felt threatened or not they're feeling that way and then at the same time that is all happening on that level as a nation the united states is going through massive geopolitical decline Mm -hmm. okay so vietnam uh the vietnam war uh cost over 120 billion dollars in eight years. Yeah. Between totally. 1965 and 1973, mm-hmm. it cost $120 billion. And that is in 65 to 73 money. Mm-hmm. In 2022 dollars, that's a trillion dollars. Yeah. In eight years. And that's just the eight years of combat. If you yeah. go back further, further, it was even go more. forward further. It's yeah. about 500 billion. Yeah. Um from forty six to seventy-five. Yeah. yeah. Five hundred billion. Yeah. Out of a GDP and, and that hundred and twenty billion dollars 
Mm-hmm. That's a trillion dollars uh, in in modern money. In 1974, the GDP was 9.25 trillion mm-hmm. in modern money. Okay, uh, 2021 GDP for the U.S. is 23 trillion for comparison. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Starting at about 1968, that spending and the tax increases that paid for it, because, you know, that was back in a time when if you're going to fight a war, you're going to raise taxes to pay for it instead of doing the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. When you actually ask everyone to kick in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's that that is uh, in in economic histories of the 1970s. Um, the Vietnam War is pointed to uh, by scholarly sources as a cause of inflation. Yep. Because, you know, a ninth of 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 the of the GDP, you know, was was going to that. And I know I'm fudging numbers that way, but you, you get what I'm saying. There was this huge amount of money going in this one direction. Yeah. And so the taxation that had to go with that and all of that is leading to inflation. And I'm going to put a pin in that for a second. We're going to come back to it. Now, beyond the cost of the war in dollars, Mm -hmm. the whole military action was awful. It was, it was grinding. It was ugly. It was divisive and it heavily influenced the politics and outlook of the baby boomers. And we've talked about this in prior in prior episodes. Yeah. They were, against the war because they didn't want to have to go fight in it, you know, and, and if they leaned left, they didn't see why we should be fighting people just because they were communists. Sure. And across the board, um, they, they, a majority of baby boomers were strongly anti-war because they didn't want to have to go do it. Right. In 1965, Public support of the war, according to Gallup, mm-hmm. stood at 64% in favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Over four years, by 1969, it dropped to 39%. Now, is that age indexed or is that total? That's that's or is that only amongst the, the baby boomers? That's overall. Okay. That is the population as a whole. That okay. is not that is not population indexed. That is everybody. Altogether, okay. all sure. age categories, all all cadres. And in 1970, a majority of Americans wanted troops withdrawn. From, again, this is still according to Gallup. A majority of Americans in 1970 wanted troops withdrawn from Vietnam by 1971. Mm-hmm. So this is 20 years after the height if you want to call it that, of the Korean conflict, right? Right, right. And this is 30 years after Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And World War II, we had gone out and we had been the arsenal of democracy and our soldiers had gone out and they had done what they had to do and they'd done their duty for their country. And, you know, they'd come home and there was this outlook on what they had done. Mm Mm-hmm. Within dominant culture, World War II was viewed as a good war, right? And the men who fought in it were—it was a—it was you know—it was a broad cross section of the population, right? If you were of a certain age, you had served, and mm-hmm. there was a 
fairly high likelihood you had served in combat in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, now um, you have a generation who was getting drafted and sent off and there wasn't really a direct explanation as to why we had to fight this. Well, we got to make sure that the communists don't, don't get control. We've got to, we've got to maintain, you know, we've got to contain communism because of the domino theory and we've got to do all this stuff. And there wasn't the same visceral level of this is ugly, but it's what we need to do. Right. Within, within the zitgeist. Yeah. And furthermore, there was a very clear level of power disparity mm-hmm. that hadn't been there in World War II. That's and true. to a certain extent, hadn't even been there in Korea. Yeah, because it was, the, you hear the call, you go. Yeah. Yeah. And now, because of television, mm-hmm. because of the particular way that the media operated in Vietnam during the Vietnam War... Now, in their living rooms every evening, as part of the five o'clock news, people were seeing fresh-faced American boys going out and patrolling through villages full of unarmed people. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it wasn't pictures of children being napalmed or, you know, uh, uh, South Vietnamese uh, police, you know, uh, street-executing NVA, you know, agents... Right. Even if it wasn't anything that brutal, the images that were coming home were of American soldiers, boys, right. young men, average age in, in World War in World War II, something like 25, average age in Vietnam was 26. 19. Yeah. It, it's, there's so the it Paul Hart Castle song. And yeah, yeah. the reason I know it so well is because George, producer George and I met when I was 19 and he was 26. Oh, well, there so, you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, there's, there's a difference in, in who the soldiers are that you're seeing in the images Mm -hmm. coming back. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in the immediacy of the images. And there's a very important difference in what it is that those soldiers are doing when you see them. Yeah. The context is very different. Well, and there's also there, there is a high a much more visible number of people who dodged the draft. Yes. You know, it wasn't just, oh, that's those people and those mm-hmm. people is code for black people or, you know, it, it's, you know, first off, you had Muhammad Ali straight up saying at the age, I think, of 25 saying, yeah, I ain't going. No, I'll go to no. jail. Yeah. Um, conscientious objectors have always existed, yeah. but he has a high profile and he does it. And you could not only that. Yeah. I want to point out not sure. only that, but he has a high profile specifically as an athlete in a combat sport yes yeah george carlin talked about it too of like you know he 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 drew the line at killing them he was fine beating them up and yeah. the the yeah. army said well if you're not gonna kill them we won't let you beat them up yeah uh, so <laughs> there you go yeah but but i mean so he's a yeah you're absolutely right he's a, a he's also a black athlete an olympic champion yep. um and an outspoken advocate for black rights yeah and so you you so you had that profile and so it was still kind of easy on some levels for some people to say well what do you expect these these people those people and mm-hmm. mean black people are shirking their responsibilities 
um, even though they were four times as likely to go over in being drafted. But yeah. like it used to be prior to that war that draft dodging was something that the blacks did, you know, like mm-hmm. that's there's like, you know, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I hope you heard the air quotes around yeah. me yeah. saying with the, yeah. um, I, mean, I did, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but so you had that, but now like in, in the early 1970s, you have a high degree of visibility of people fleeing the country, burning their cards and straight up just avoiding the draft. Um, yeah. I think it was 75 or 76, and I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but mm-hmm. All in the Family had that Christmas episode mm-hmm. with the guy who I swear was Harold Ramis, but I know I'm wrong because it yeah. wasn't Harold Ramis. Um, but he was a draft dodger, and Archie tried to ruin Christmas, and one of Archie's friends, I think his name, his nickname was Pinky, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird, um, but uh, he was a gold star family, and so he mm-hmm. had lost his son in Vietnam. And Archie's like, well, what do you think of that? And Pinky's like, you know, I think my son would uh, would would support you doing that. And if he was here right now, he would tell you that. And so I'm going to sit down and eat with you. Um, and it was just, you know, it was it, all in the yeah. family. Like, <laughs> it deserves a, a really close look. Um, sometimes it hit really good home runs. Uh, yeah. and, and that was one. But, like, this idea of draft dodging is being an option at all. Instead of oh, yeah. just a thing that uh, that's just something that happens off screen. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, that is a big, it, like, so now, you know, masculinity again, being, being challenged. Yeah. Um, you know, cause how can you be a man if you're running, you know, but at the same time, but at the same time, like Muhammad Ali, the manliest of men is like, yeah. fuck that. I don't want to do I it. Don't, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go thirteen thousand miles away and kill people who've never done anything to me when you won't stand yeah. up for my own rights. Yeah. Um So I'm yes. trying to remember exactly how he said it, but but I I got I got no problem with with yeah the people you're, of Vietnam. You're my oppressor when I. He's so quick and so glib, and he's such. There's no way I'm going to do it justice. Yeah. But essentially, you're my oppressor when I say I want rights. You're my oppressor when I say I want equality. And now you want me to go over there and kill somebody who's never had a problem with me. And oppress them uh from across the world. No. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, sorry. So oh yeah, no. I mean that's that's all that's mm-hmm. all part of it. And and you know, what I was just saying a second ago was was the visual context in which people were seeing the war. Mm-hmm. You know, I specifically said, even when they're not doing anything, we're seeing this power dynamic of American soldiers walking through villages full of unarmed people mm-hmm. who clearly are afraid of them and don't want them there. And that's on those occasions when we're not seeing fresh faced 19 and 20 year old American boys setting fire to villages mm-hmm. full of those same unarmed people. Right. You know, and the very nature of the asymmetric warfare that the U.S. got sucked into mm-hmm. in that war meant that the the images that were going out were all were, were primarily the, mm-hmm. the preponderance of them made nineteen year old American boys look like bullies. Yeah, and so there needed to be a recasting of yeah. masculinity for that, and so the hyper violent. Charles Bronson movies, 
yep. Dirty Harry movies. Dirty Harry, all of that. Which are both like white rage in an urban setting. And one of them is a cop who will go extra legal to do the right thing, which yeah. is yeah. tremendous violence toward yes. people of color. Ultra violence. Um, yeah, yes. the ultra violence. And I mean, Taxi Driver is a really good example. Um, yeah. You know, he, he goes on a killing spree in a house of prostitution because and, and he's not mentally well, but we still sympathize with him somehow. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it's 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 exceedingly violent. Uh, and so that that ultra violence uh, becomes um, normalized, normalized in, in as media. As masculinity, though, yeah, yes, and I think in much. many ways that is to kind of help us find more palatable the bully mm. behavior that we are doing to the world. Okay, it it, it yeah. makes us more willing to accept it. Like, well, this is what men do. Okay, yeah, I can see that, that's, and the rules that's, that's not an yeah. angle I had twigged on, but I can see that. So, in nineteen seventy three. The Paris Peace Accords led to the end of U.S. military involvement in Vietnam. Okay. Mm-hmm. We agreed. This is this struck me. I had not realized that th- these were, I'd forgotten the terms. <laughs> we agreed to withdraw all of our troops within 60 days. I know. It was two months. Yeah. So, you know, and, 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 you know, within very recent memory, everybody was like, oh my God, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Like, this is history repeating itself. Hi, how are you? History teacher here. Um, right. All of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Because none like, of y'all listen to me either time. Nobody, none of you paid attention in history class when you were in high school. So of course it's happening again. And so the two, the two halves of Vietnam were supposed to find a peaceful mechanism of reunification. That was part of the terms of the agreement, but it was pretty clear to everybody analyzing it at the time that the South was weaker and more vulnerable and this was not going to end well. Right. Um, and, and we were just, we were pulling up stakes and getting the fuck out because there, there was not uh, popular support at home for the war anymore. Uh, it was too expensive and, and, and the North Vietnamese had done a remarkably good job of bleeding us white and, and, and they, they won in an asymmetric warfare situation. My, you know? my favorite quote of, of that there's, there's two, one Ho Chi Minh in 1971 said, you know, we've been at this for almost a thousand years. Uh, first it was the Chinese then it was the French, then it was the Japanese, then the French for some reason came back and now it's you Americans. If it takes a million a year to do it, we will. We'll sacrifice a million a year. Um, I'm very much Damien phrasing and pulling together several quotes, but the yeah. one the one quote that I really liked was at the Tet Offensive, they captured a, uh, a Viet Cong operative. Yeah. And they asked him, who's winning this war? And he says, you guys are. He says, you Americans are. And they say, who's going to win the war? He says, we will. And they say, well, how can you say that if you just said that we're winning? He says, how does that square? Right. And he says, because you're going to leave. Yep. It's like, like uh, that's I don't it. know that's what to tweet. say to that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's done. Um, <laughs> and that was in 68. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, God damn it. Um, so, but yes, you know, yes, they, they absolutely bled us white. 
um, in the same way that they had done to the Chinese and the French and, and to the, the Japanese French and the and Japanese the and again. the French again. And then us. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> see everybody who's tried to control Afghanistan ever. Right. Also, by the right. way, same shit, different terrain. Yeah. Like Southeast so, versus uh, central. I mean, yeah. really like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Both so land wars in Asia. Yes. Which so. like, it's one of the three important rules. So Nixon uh, tried to put a brave face on it with with the slogan of peace with honor. Right, I remember. Yeah, which coming from yeah. a guy like Tricky Dick, like get the get the word honor out of your fucking mouth. Yeah, like you, no asshole. No, but anyway, we at the time nobody knew yet, you know. But peace with honor, like right. Honor how? Like, can you can you quantify for me? What about this is honorable? Like, well, notice what's missing there now. Victory. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and but it, but it was it was a huge embarrassment because yeah. we were we were the biggest superpower. Sure. And as much as we were, you know, uh, we you know in the in the aggregate you know zitgeist kind of sense, as much as we were. You know, staring across the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bering Strait at mm-hmm. at the Russians in in paranoia and fear. Nobody, I don't, I don't know if anybody ever really thought that we were the weak, like genuinely thought that we were the weaker of the two superpowers. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, it was like, well, they're approaching, they're getting really close to parody and we can't let that happen. I think right. was, was always the like, well, you know, if they ever get to parody, we're fucked. Right. But it was always the fear of them getting there. So we were the biggest superpower and and we had to give away the store mm-hmm. to a much, much smaller nation. Yeah. And like the collective emasculation Mm-hmm. Involved in that, yeah, is huge. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know how you could go about underselling that. Yeah, or over. Actually, you could easily undersell it. I don't think you could oversell it. Then oh, okay. Saigon, yeah. yeah, 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 and then and then Saigon fell in April of 1975, right? Which... So, so we pulled out of the country. We right. no more. We don't have any more troops there, other than you know the Marines guarding the embassy, right? But in 1975, Saigon fell, which everybody mm-hmm. knew was going to happen. It was it was basically a foregone conclusion. But then images of panicked civilians scrambling to board helicopters atop the U.S. embassy. And then those choppers being pitched into the Gulf of Tonkin after unlo- offloading those refugees aboard U.S. warships. Yeah, they had to push them over to make room for more because there wasn't yeah. enough time to there refuel. Wasn't, there wasn't enough back. time. You couldn't refuel. Yeah. And, yeah. and there wasn't space on the decks. And like they just had to <laughs> just Hueys pitched into the ocean. Yeah. And that put the final symbolic nail into the coffin of the U.S.'s attempts to contain communist North Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We're going on 50 years later, and Americans of a certain generation are still bitter about how that war ended. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they all Rumsfeld, ended up in the, in the cabinet Rumsfeld of... Of George W. Bush. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, Rumsfeld, Cheney, all of those guys. Mm-hmm. That whole cadre. Um. And 
there are, and, and what's interesting to me is um, it actually showed up on my Facebook feed either today or yesterday, a memory mm. from a few years ago during the most recent, uh, most, most recent uh, Republican administration, I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, where um, the Trump administration had uh, assassinated, let's use the proper word for it, a high-ranking Iranian uh, military official or mm-hmm. military secret police official. And it was a moment during that that uh, uh, administration of very, very, very high tensions and a lot of people, you and me, particularly mm-hmm. being social studies teachers and small age historians going like, this is, this is how wars start here. Right. Like this is, this is scary. We really don't want to be doing this. And there was analysis that I, that I shared mm-hmm. uh, that was talking about, there was a cadre of people in high ranking positions in the Pentagon and in the civilian portions of the defense apparatus mm-hmm. uh, in the Trump administration. I'll just go ahead and name Lord Voldemort, because why not? Yeah. Um, you know, who were bitter about our losses in Iraq. Yeah. And the way that Iran and the way that Iran had had fiddled with that <laughs> and wanted revenge, and their bitterness was driving the policies. Policies. Yeah. Of of the Trump administration. It's like, can can we can we please like stick a stick a stick a stick in the spokes of this wheel? Or just, maybe just, just take just the L this turning like for fuck's sake. Take the yeah. L. Like just just yeah. okay. 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 Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's let's if you really want to try to claim that you're the party of real politic, mm-hmm. play real politic and go, all right, you know what? We lost that one. Moving on. Right. Revenge, revenge is not a rational act. No, no, it's <laughs> like, not. What like the fuck? revenge is not the same as retribution either. Like yeah, I could no. understand if somehow somebody came to our country and bombed us, being like, "Okay, parking lot there, time." Like I yeah, don't there agree needs with to it, be... but I I can understand that psychology. Revenge yeah. is short sighted, uh, little man energy. Yeah, like yeah. I like so, okay. I like how you avoided the ableism with that, by the way. Nice job. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and 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 the body shaming, like, yeah. I, it just no. It, I, I'm not I'm not here for that. But yeah. but yeah, it's 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 very much like you. It, I think you used the word inadequate personalities. Yes, it's that you yeah. know, which so. which is I believe a psychological term. Oh, okay. I I picked that up from my father, who okay. wound up getting a degree in psychology because. That was the easiest degree for him to get uh, right. when, he, when he rejoined the Navy. Anyway, long story. But anyway, he 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 studied it and he knows it. So, yeah, I, there's all, all kinds of that jargon that I picked up from him. OK, so just real quick, we yeah. uh, the United States left Vietnam in 73. Yes. Uh, 60 day bug out. Um, yeah. When did that start? What What month was that? This is easy for me to remember um, because uh, you in, were it was like it was five my... years old by then. Fuck you! No, no, it was in March. Okay, um, because I can remember March seventy three because my birthday was in March of seventy five. Okay, okay. So yeah, so March, April, May. Yeah, 
may have if been I'm remembering, or I might be conflating. Anyway, Fall of Saigon and Paris. Anyway, but it's it's. I want to say it's relatively early in the year. Okay, so okay, and then in '75, the the Hueys are going in the ocean. Yeah. Um, just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Bruno San Martino held the WWWF title at the time, Worldwide okay. Wrestling Federation title. Okay. Yeah, yeah. From '63 to '71, he loses Holy it. Cow. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just you know, it, it, New York is very much an ethnic town uh, for wrestling, okay. and he yeah. was the Italian guy. And they okay. had different wrestlers, right? He lost it to Ivan Koloff, who Russian communism. Yeah. yeah. And they say that when he lost, Madison Square Garden went silent. Oh shit! Really? Like, nothing. Yeah. Like Bruno, uh, and Bruno's big on tall tales. Uh, when he was okay, alive. but um, but it, it, and his history is fascinating. But um, but uh, he said that he thought he lost his hearing, um, because it went so silent. Um, Ivan Koloff won in January of 71. Um, he drops the title just like 21 days later, like, like in February of 71 to Pedro Morales, a Puerto Rican, uh, who held it until there's a cowboy who beat him. Stan Stasiak. Okay. Um, who then lost it to Bruno. Uh, in in uh, December of seventy three. Okay, I just think it's interesting that they they were like, we need to get this belt back on Bruno, and some of it. I mean, it's 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 box office stuff. It's it's absolutely like the pressures of the economy at the time. Yeah, inside like, baseball. Okay, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I do find it interesting. They're like Bruno San Martino, who's this really fucking strong guy who would mm-hmm. like do workouts publicly so that people would come to the show. Um was was you know 500 pounds was like a normal thing that he would lift i forget exactly how he'd lift it um i don't think he was benching 500 yet um but he was you know squatting it and whatnot he's a strong yeah. fucking guy yeah they were like we need to get it back on him and and pedro morales had held it for like two years um but by by the end of 73 they're like we need to get it back on bruno because it's better for business etc and he holds it until 77 yeah it makes sense. Yeah. Big strong then, man. Yeah, exactly. You got that masculinity. Now what's yep. interesting is after 77, you have a flashier strong man. You have a a man who um is is very, very he's 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 a body. Um his name is a superstar Billy Graham. Um he specifically okay. um inspired Jesse the Body Ventura and Hulk oh, Hogan. Okay. Um, but he talked about his 23 inch pythons. Um oh. Yeah, All and right. Hulk Hogan had 24-inch pythons, you know? Yeah. But, uh, and so you had uh, superstar Billy Graham, who was this bodybuilder type, um, as opposed to a strong man. So now he's more visibly strong. Um... And he holds it for about a year, and then Bob Backlund takes it, and Bob Backlund holds it for almost five years. And Bob Backlund is, um, Central Casting called and said they needed a five foot nine pasty white guy. Um... And he answered the call practically. Like if you look at pictures of Bob Backlund, he is the all American icon hero of, of wrestling. And he is insanely strong, has a, a freakishly straight back. Um, but he does not look like superstar Billy Graham. He does not look like Bruno San Martino. What he was, was he was a legitimately good wrestler. And so they needed a kind of a, 
I don't know, Beaver Cleaver or Wally Cleaver uh, to hold the title for them. Uh, and you know, in, into the eighties, like that's what they transitioned to. Um, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Generic so, white male protagonist. Yes, he is. He is what they call yeah. the white meat baby, baby face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And then he of yeah. course loses it to the iron Sheik, who, yeah. uh, who loses it a month in, in 1983, who then, uh, loses it a month later in, in 1984 to Hulk Hogan, which yeah. is Americana. Yeah. But it's just really interesting to me that you yeah. go from uh, Bruno San Martino and he 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 lost the belt because he needed a break. I, I think, yeah, he just need, he either needed a break or he broke his neck. I forget which time because at one point he broke his neck. Yeah, but he was burning the, out. The, the shit that's just a toss off when you talk oh, yeah. about what happens to these guys. Like, yeah, holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, he uh, his neck was broken a few years later. That's what it was. But okay. anyway, so he needed a break because he'd been going for eight fucking years, and this is back when like you made six shows a week. Um. Yeah, and he he needed a break, so he finally got the belt off of him two years after he said, "I need a break." Um, and that went to Ivan Kolov, who then. Yeah. kicked it over to Pedro Morales, right? Yeah. But the fact that they returned to Bruno. Yeah. And that that strength and that masculinity and then that gave way to a uh, bodybuilding cheater and that gave way yeah. to white meat babyface. <laughs> yep. Just real interesting and then it gives oh, way yeah. to cartoonish, literally cartoonish Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, you know, just really interesting how those things kind of go through as well. So, anyway, Oh yeah. Yeah. So so we have the the loss of prestige mm-hmm. associated with with losing Vietnam, right? We didn't lose; it was a tie. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what they said about Korea too. Yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. But fish called Wanda just jumped into my head, yeah. <laughs> and I had, to, I had to Kevin Klein. Yep. So chip um, up the nose, Ken. Yeah. So stagflation mm-hmm. at this point now led to higher unemployment so i had i had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that the vietnam war had led to higher taxation which was one of the causes of inflation right well it was worse than inflation it was stagflation mm-hmm. and um so this led to higher unemployment and the cost of living for most americans increased dramatically uh from 1969 to 1970 there was a spike in inflation Right. That uh, the Nixon administration devalued the dollar in order to in order to curb that. They took it off the uh, silver standard and put it on the promissory note. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Seventy three. Seventy two. Seventy three. Yeah. 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 Uh, Inflation roared back between Mm seventy three and seventy six. And then again in 1979, 1980. Yep. Now, huge big reason for that inflation. So now. If you're a cishet white guy, mm-hmm. um, now there's a significant percentile chance you've lost your job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have kept your job, you mm-hmm. are working just as hard or harder and you're falling behind. Right. And again, this is still where, even though all of those inroads from second wave feminism have been going on, you're still living in this uh, uh, conception of your role in society as a man that you have to be the one to provide for your family. Mm-hmm. So you're having to work harder to do that. And a big part of the reason for this inflation 
was OPEC's oil embargo in 1973, right? Which was kicked off by the Yom Kippur War. Mm-hmm. So there was this war between Israel and everybody else, yeah. <laughs> basically, uh, which which the Israelis in, want. I yeah. was going to say, in fairness, everyone else attacked Israel, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. If you if you flip flop between everyone else and Israel. Yeah. It, then it kind of makes it more clear who the aggressor yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so everybody in the neighborhood went, all right, we're beating the fuck out of them. And they all attacked Israel and yeah. Israel went, uh, no, I don't think so. And, and like managed to, I, I don't remember whether it was the Egyptian or the Jordanian air force. I think it was the Egyptian air force. Mm-hmm. They just bombed the Egyptian air force into the stone age like no you don't have airplanes anymore we're we're knocking you into the the 19th century right uh in terms of aircraft they don't exist and uh so that led to the oil embargo uh in part because the leaders of the countries that had picked a fight with israel and gotten their noses very badly bloodied turned around and told everybody well you know this is because the cia Right. And and the Americans were part of this. And and this is one of those few occasions on which like the CIA agent looking around going, Who, me? Was <laughs> actually telling the truth. Right. Like, no, I didn't do that. Um, but like, you know, boy who cried wolf, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a problem. And so the the OPEC nations said, All right, that's cool. We're just we're not selling any fucking oil. Um, and so this war that we weren't even involved in mm-hmm. uh, between countries that were, were objectively a whole lot less militarily powerful than we were mm-hmm. led to long lines at the pump shortages, rising prices across the board. Um, and so this, this created this incredible wave of frustration and helplessness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and about the most, emasculating for anybody who who subscribes to that uh you know transactional ideal of masculinity helplessness is the worst emotion to deal with well especially when when you have been the producer and your producer ability is measured in economic units that suddenly the same amount of work doesn't get you the same value on those units. You can literally no longer take care of your family. You're putting in the same effort, sometimes more. And that's if you kept your job. Um, And so now what does that say about what is due to you as well? Like I do want to come back to that entitlement, right? And so it's, I did, I did the thing I was told I was supposed to do. Yeah. How is that not getting me the same amount of things? Yeah. Why am I, what what the fuck? Right. Yeah, it's going to feel like you're being ripped off. And on on several levels, you are because the economy is getting out of whack and whatnot. Yeah. And the government is stepping in and doing meaningless shit. Like I remember um, Nixon, the 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 great Keynesian that he was, Mm -hmm. uh, he stepped in and he pegged the price of um, he put a price ceiling on hamburger. The problem was he put it at equilibrium, so it didn't fucking do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, damn it. Um, 
And so the things that the government was doing were cosmetic and useless yep. um, in, in many, many ways. So as a result of that, mm-hmm. in the 1974 midterms, mm. Democrats gained 49 seats in the House Jesus. and four in the Senate. Yeah. The Democrat-controlled Congress then passed the Energy Policy and Conservation Act in 1975, mm-hmm. which established CAFE standards for fuel efficiency. And cars, which right. are a big symbol of, you know, were then and remain yeah. your Americanness and your power and your virility and whatever all else you want to tie to it, cars started getting smaller. Well, and those same cars that had been getting longer, <laughs> yeah, uh, were think about who were the people buying those longer cars. Those were the people who were teenagers in the hot rod days when cars were just becoming available to teenagers. They were the first generation of kids to be able to actually purchase vehicles and work on them themselves and have that tied to their masculinity, too. Yep. And, you know, there's all kinds of movies that were going around with that, too. So, yes, yeah. now cars had finally like, you know, they're land yachts, I think they were called. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now they're starting to shrink. Shrink. Yeah. Yeah. And another disruption in oil production followed the mm-hmm. Iranian Revolution in 1979, right. creating another inflation spike. And the Iranian Revolution led to the hostage crisis, mm-hmm. which placed the United States government in the position of having to negotiate with a much smaller nation for the freedom of its citizens. Yeah. So in 1979, if you were a cishet white American male, mm-hmm. you had seen your job become less stable or go away entirely. Mm-hmm. Seen your buying power shrink and seen your position in the world diminish as smaller, objectively weaker countries mm-hmm. humbled yours. Now, you said that happened in 79. Yes. Guess who came into the World Wrestling Federation in 1979 and won a battle royal his first night in uh, at Madison Square Garden? Roddy Piper. No. Hulk Hogan. Iron Sheik. <gasps> Bullshit, really? Dead serious. Dead that is too perfect. Serious. So he gets a title shot that night and loses to Bob Backlund, white meat baby face. Right, right, right. In we have to reassure the audience that exactly. you know, the social order is still intact. Right. And then he fucks wow. off for a little while and then he comes back. Um and, and he's a bad guy fucking everywhere now, right? Oh yeah. Um well, the, yeah. The, the irony is he had actually come from Iran. He is Iranian. Um, his name is uh, Cosgro, um, uh, Cosgro Vaziri. Um, okay. And uh, he he came from Iran, and he actually helped the American wrestling team in the Olympics. Because Iran has huge. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Well, because because right? so so this guy was a shooter then. Yeah, he was. He was a, okay. He was a legit. Um, and so he went all over the place after after that short 1979 mm-hmm. for Vince McMahon Sr. Uh, time. Um, and then he doesn't come back until 1983. Oh, um, wow. And that's when he wins. He actually comes okay. back, challenges. Yeah. But he's doing the America, hot patooey, uh, that, that oh, yeah. gimmick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway. Um, okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You know, really, this the another another one of the rules of 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 what we're doing needs to be um, 
wherever the zitgeist is going, wrestling is going to be an indicator. Mm-hmm. Mostly a leading one, sometimes a sometimes a tailing one. Yeah, but always an indicator. Oh yeah, like one of my favorite oh, ones shit. is there's there was a tag team right as we were getting ready to go into uh, uh, Iraq um, in two thousand three. Yeah. Um, do you remember how uh, France was like? Um, hang on, wait a minute. We question the intelligence reports. Yeah. Right. You're basing this off of this, and like they traced it to like. Oh yeah. You, oh this, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, right? Their analysis. Their analysis was not bullshit. Like right. They were correct. They were um, right. Yeah. They there was a a tag team uh, that came into the WWE right a few months after that called La Resistance. There's two French guys. Yeah, straight up. Wow. And then and then there was a team called the Un-Americans for a little while, and they're all like Canadians. Um, Sparkly murder gymnastics. Holy oh, I shit. love it. All yeah, right. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. So, so, all right. So we'd lost in Vietnam. Yep. And now we have a president who is has been attacked by a rabbit. <laughs> or- Poor fucking Jimmy Carter. <laughs> and by the way, like the whole idea of being a, a guy who wants peace is somehow like, again, Not you go masculine. back to Vietnam. It has become a a, a, a a an albatross around the neck. You are not masculine if you want peace. And it's like, wait a minute. Fucking John Adams, like, yeah, Woodrow Wilson bragged about it before tossing us in there. But like, yeah. Peace was like a goal. Like it was the thing you're supposed to say. And yes, all of a sudden it wasn't that. And then it was, and then it was peace with honor. Like it has to be qualified. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Okay. So, So. um, Carter had won the presidency in 76 Mm -hmm. as a reaction to Watergate. Yes. But not in a landslide. True. Okay. Democrats held on to their majorities in both houses of Congress but then the Iranian revolution happened on their collective watch. Yep. Carter got attacked by a rabbit was portrayed as weak and ineffectual. And his, he was working really hard to cool down the tensions between the U S and the USSR mm-hmm. and conservatives were panicking about this because it was a decline of American strength. Right. The economy stayed stagnant. And in 1979, Carter got on TV And spoke to the American people and described a crisis of confidence in what has gone on to be called the malaise speech. Which he never had actually said out loud. He never mentioned the words general malaise in that order or in that speech at all. Yeah, no, at all. It comes out like a few months later at a a different place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but he did straight up tell Mm -hmm. the American people we're suffering from a crisis of confidence. Yep. Which like we were, like, right? Like it's, it's let's let's look in the mirror and be honest. Yeah. But the fact that he admitted it, uh huh, made room politically mm-hmm. for the former California governor and Republican talking head Ronnie Reagan. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Ronald Reagan. Uh, who who just brushed all brushed aside all that negative Nancy talk. And told the American people that it was morning in America. Right. And he said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna stimulate the economy with, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing called supply side economics. Right. 
would won't which go into again, that. It's if you want to cast that in the masculinity thing, I'm yeah. gonna stimulate the economy by yeah. supercharging the supply side, the the thrusting driving yeah. um part of the economy. Like I'm I'm gonna do that. On top of that, by the way, Ronald Reagan was famous for playing cowboys. So you've got that masculine image as well. And if I recall correctly, and I might be wrong, and you'll have to correct me on this, um, but uh, essentially Jimmy Carter, he said the state of our nation is weak. He said that in his state yes. of the nation, is state yes. of the union. The state of our union is weak or, yes. or it's sick or something. He said something yeah. that was not, it's strong, which every president since him has said that it is strong. Sometimes no they'll qualify what. it. But yeah, yeah, no matter what, and it's it's it. I swear to God, it sounds like they're talking as the 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 board, and I can't believe I'm doing this. Girlfriend of like, no, you're the biggest I've ever had. The state of our nation is so huge. So, well, okay, so no, huge. you know what you know what strikes me about it. Mm. <laughs> there has only ever been one King John of England. <laughs> True, because he 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 did now in that case there, there's ineptness involved rather than just honesty but you know john john was so bad at kinging yeah that every generation of the royal family since him has been like what are we going to name this kid not, not fucking john, john. <laughs> true like no very true you know it's the same it's the same energy it's yeah. like no no i'm i'm not going to make that mistake yeah right yeah the, the mistake um, of telling the people the truth, yeah, of just of just reflecting, quite honestly, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. just just looking at things and being reflect. like, yeah, let's let's be honest about what yeah. we're seeing. Yeah, how about men that? don't get dressed in front of a mirror? Yeah, men get dressed. They they get dressed in the car, the giant car on the, the way to the big job. Car. They hate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the only hope for women at that time, like back when it was fifty percent. Was that like men are still dying in their fifties? Like that seems to be like the only liberation. <sighs> yeah. Available. Like, yeah. In the late forties, early fifties. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, you're not wrong. God damn. Yeah. So. Okay. So. Uh, he's going to stimulate the economy. Oh, so. Hard. Yeah, yeah, so hard. So with uh, his strength and virility. Yes, he's, he's going to cut federal spending and taxes. So hard. So, so hard. hard that it can't can't even scratch it. That's yeah. how hard. Nice. He's going to rebuild the military because yeah. that's that's America's dick, right? He's going to erect it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes. And he and he argued importantly mm -hmm. that the government was the problem, not the solution. Right. Okay. He talked way tough geopolitically. Mm -hmm. And as you said, he had played cowboys. Yes. And that was the image he cultivated, like yes. actively cultivated. He's why we have presidents like doing their thing on the western side of the White House now, right? Like yeah. when they get inaugurated, because he yeah. was facing west, so that yeah. he could nod toward California. Yep. Yeah. And uh, his his slogan was "Let's make America great again." <laughs> long before it got adopted by Trump, right? Shortened. Yeah. Yes. Because long sentences are tough when you have whatever form of dementia it is he suffers from. I also think that there's a grammatical thing going on. I think I've talked about this before. Let's make America great again is what we call the hortatory subjunctive. You are including yes. myself in it. You are including you and me in it. That's right. Let's do That's the right. dishes compared to do the dishes. 
which mm-hmm. is imperative. And that's a good point. Yes. Let's do it is parental and patronizing. Do it is uh what's the authoritarian. word authoritarian. Authoritarian and uh what's the word I'm looking for? Pun not not plaintative, but um petulant. That's the oh. word. Okay, yeah. Do it, do it, do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Make it Um, great. Barack, Barack, Barack. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So so the Republican Party in the same year dropped support for ERA from its platform. Now, Reagan promised that you know, I'm going to appoint the first female Supreme Court justice. I'm going to work with states to enact anti-discrimination laws. But ERA got dropped. Right. And now in the general election, Republicans took control of the Senate, gained seats in the House. Right. And Reagan won an electoral landslide. Yes, he did. Although the popular vote was a lot closer. Yeah. He took 50.8% to Carter's 41%. And John Anderson took 6.6% of the popular vote. Now, Anderson had been a Republican, mm-hmm. but he was he was so uh, – he, he basically said that uh, Reagan's economic policies were bullshit and, right. you know, it was a bad idea. This, this is – no, we don't want to do this. And so he ran independently. Um, he had the courage to do what Bush should have done. Should have done. Yeah. Uh, and this image of the cheerful tough guy mm-hmm. worked for Reagan, and the that, same insecurity. Two things about about yeah. that about that election too. Um, the ERA, one of the number one opponents to the ERA in the 1970s, Phyllis Schlafly, and she was one of the people who fought really hard to. I don't know if she was actually a delegate or an elector for the Republican National Convention, but she was a really key person in the Republican National Convention in 1976 and in 1980, if I recall correctly. Mm, yeah. and she's one of the main opponents of the ERA um, to the point where she's like, we don't need that. No, I I would be much more comfortable if we didn't have that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, all, all of the bootlicking, yeah. you know. And yeah. one, of, one of the other things that really catapulted Reagan, because you remember, he's, he's fighting in the primary against uh, Bush, who is, as you said, an apparatus chick is that the word yes yeah um and and he's coming in and he had he had primaried ford in 76 remember yeah as well yep. and bush is much more the party guy right you've got a plank i'll uphold that plank yeah reagan is the personality guy and schlafly and uh oh god falwell get behind him because they activate that religious right they actually get it going and so now it's power as its own end well, yeah, and, and yeah, Bryn Tannehill had, had gone into this. That's right. That's when right. We, when we talked with her about, you know, co-opting a religious right. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they. they. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, And uh, so you've got that going on. And at the same time, in one of the debates, they Reagan was running over his time. And yeah, uh, they, they said shut off his mic or something. And he got red faced angry like a oh yeah like furious like a michigan mother um pinched mouth and he said i am paying for this microphone to tremendous applause and it was i think that was the moment that galvanized him because he was aggrieved and angry he finally showed anger not just charm Mm. but anger yeah and that anger sense absolutely is is one of those things that is also masculine 
Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's it, when you're when you're dealing with the transactional model of masculinity, mm-hmm. it's the only emotion you're allowed to show. Oh, good point. You can't be happy. That's true. Because happiness is frivolous. And he also you can't with be. The... Oh, go on. You can't be sad. Right. Because that implies you've lost something. Yeah. You can't be scared because that's weak and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You might get away with disgust. Yeah. As long you as might the, be able to get away with disgust. Yeah. Yeah. But but anger, anger and disgust are about the only two emotions you're allowed yeah. to show. And anger's can, not even you... an emotion. It's a secondary yeah. emotion. Yeah. It's a reaction can... to an emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um and and you can you can laugh, but only mm-hmm. under controlled circumstances, and only when you have gotten one over on somebody or you are somehow participating in, mm-hmm. you know, some level of hierarchical banter, right? Whether yeah. whether you are laughing at the joke of somebody who's above you, or you are laughing at your own joke, right? You know, or... but but you're not allowed. But you're not allowed to be like joyful. Right. You're not allowed to show contentment. Yeah. And it, it also that. it also occurs to me that he had a because you know, we, we live here in Northern California in the Sacramento train museum, there is the train car that Ronald Reagan used as I I want to say governor, but also I yeah. think he might have pulled it out uh, as well for running for president. But there's just it, something inherently masculine about the train. I mean, yes, obviously there's the going into the tunnel shit, but but I really am talking oh, about, oh. uh-huh. uh, but I'm really talking about the uh, talk about host scale. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> caught you drinking. Um. <laughs> don't don't do dude. Carbonated and it has alcohol in it. If this comes out my nose, she made Christmas. It'll, it'll, Not yeah. cool. Oh, it's so fun. But <laughs> but uh, just the 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 ironness to it, the 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 power to a locomotive and frankly the expectation that it will go to the place it's supposed to and and it was built over the lives of plenty of indigenous people so (laughs) yeah that's so many metaphors so many it's 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 an onion of 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 toxicity god i'm so glad Uh, i sense more into zoology nowadays (laughs) fucking i hate trains But so anyway, um, so Reagan yeah. Reagan uh, becomes president, like you yeah. said, does not win a landslide, but he does win electorally uh, one hell of a landslide. Yeah, by a huge, yeah. huge margin electorally. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the at the same time, mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. the insecurity, the, the same masculine insecurity that made his message attractive. Mm-hmm enabled the production of a glut of macho fantasy flicks. Yeah. So at the end of Reagan's term in 84, we have Conan the Destroyer, uh-huh. which again shows Arnold Schwarzenegger without a shirt, but is notably less overtly sexualized. That's true. Okay. Yeah. The Warrior and the Sorceress, in which David Carradine plays a swordsman in a highly sexualized reimagining of Kurosawa's Yojimbo. Wait a minute, and in Conan the Barbarian, Conan, or I'm sorry, Conan the uh, Destroyer. Destroyer. Grace Jones is in that, and so is Wilt Chamberlain. Yep. Actually, so is Arnold Schwartz, or so is uh, uh, Andre the Giant, but we see we don't see him. 
out yeah. of makeup. So, yeah, no, but but visibly, Grace Jones speaking back to the masculinity and the androgyny, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Wilt Chamberlain, who's known for being one of the greatest basketball players of all time, known for being insanely strong and athletic, yep. and also for having had sex with twenty thousand women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but it's, but it's subtext there as opposed to text, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like you're, you're looking at the actors and actresses on the screen and you know that about them or you've heard that about them, Mm -hmm. but it's not part of the plot. Right. Okay. Um, And then the never ending story is in 1984, which takes us back out of the sword and sorcery genre entirely Mm -hmm. with a young boy as the protagonist. Mm Mm-hmm in a remarkably meta fairy tale yes then in 1985 Mm -hmm. the beginning of the second reagan term we have legend with tom cruise playing a luke skywalker kind of hero figure who has to rescue hmm, i was i uh, I was just gonna say reagan gets shot in 83 or 82 82 and has the honey i forgot to duck line that he gives yeah. which is from a boxing movie um yes. about jack dempsey i think and mm-hmm. and he shows good humor and recovery and yeah. it adds to we can now be sympathetic and it allows him to get out from under a little bit of the masculine angriness a, yeah because he That's was true. really unpopular after he fucked up the uh, the the strike uh, yeah by firing everybody like his shit wasn't working and and he might have been he might have been facing something different but then he gets shot and lives just like iron pants across the pond um and it yeah. increases his uh popularity yeah as a result it be and yeah. now you've got another yep. layer to that masculinity so i'm sorry yes legend luke skywalker yeah so so tom cruise plays this luke skywalker style hero figure right who has to rescue the last unicorn and a princess played by Mira, Mia Sarah mm-hmm. from the clutches of a very heavily made up Tim Curry, who in this film, Tim Curry is the one with the bare chest and the, and the oiled pecs. Right. Uh, who's made up as the devil. I mean, the darkness. Um, and this isn't really sword and sorcery, but it's definitely a traditional male hero. He's also, but he's no longer a little bit. Is. Yeah. Oh, oh, very queer coded. Yeah. He is. Because it's Tim Curry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway. But it's it's definitely a traditional male hero saving Mm -hmm. a princess. It's it's that same narrative. Oh, yeah. But the hyper machismo is no longer there with the main character. Right. Lady Hawk, Mm. starring Rutger Hauer. Who was right. 47, 41 at the time. Right. And Michelle Pfeiffer, who was 27 at the time, mm-hmm. as a knight and a noblewoman who are struck by the curse of a jealous bishop. Uh, Matthew Broderick plays the thief who mm-hmm. gets emotionally invested in helping them break the curse. In the end, the mm-hmm. curse is broken and the knight kills the evil bishop. We've moved out of sword and sorcery still. And yet we still have a very traditional gender role paradigm at mm-hmm. work. And chess. Yes. As I was reading, like I wrote that line without thinking about that. But as I read it, I was like, well, shit. (laughs) So then we had, so then 1986 Mm. is where the spike really drops away. Um, Really? 
yeah highlander uh-huh. is a classic and yeah. very much trope following kind of story yeah yeah but labyrinth which is the same year has uh-huh. a teenage female protagonist you're and... talking only about fantasy movies aren't you yes yes okay because i was like dude fucking top gun yeah no but okay no, no. okay fantasy, fantasy movies i'm with you specifically fantasy okay. genre okay okay because yeah no <laughs> top gun is the whole it, other it, basically thesis. that's where that shit retreats to is hyper militarized yeah. movies yes because yeah. of arnold and okay sorry i'm stepping yeah. on your toes that's that's a whole other episode we yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we we can talk about the shift from from fantasy into modern action films oh please let's yes. yeah. yeah but but highlander again yes. classic follows all the tropes kind of story labyrinth mm-hmm. has uh, a teenage female protagonist and notably David Bowie and his very tight pants in a bisexual panic inducing performance. Yep. With, <laughs> according to Warwick Davis, uh-huh. uh, seven socks down the front of his leggings. Warwick Davis was even in that movie? Yeah. Shit, dude. Warwick Davis has been in fucking everything. What was it? Who did he play in that movie? Um, I don't remember which it character it was, but you, you know, no, what? No. Um, I gotta look it up, but okay. yeah, no, he he was okay. in it. All right. Um, I know that he stuffed a shit ton of potpourri down his crotch because the guy who was doing the static uh, juggling with the acrylic balls, yeah. which if you talk to Penn and Teller, Penn will say that he, uh, the, his roommate at the time, came up with that. Yeah. Um, but that guy had to stay down so that his arms would be at David Bowie's arms level. And so he had to do it over and over because you're doing it sight unseen, oh, like yeah. that juggling. And so that meant that he was right there at crotch level for David Bowie. And David Bowie's like, I'm sweating buckets in this fucking getup. And so he put a bunch of potpourri down his crotch. I know that happened. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, yeah. So hold on. I'm looking this up. Um, so, okay. So you've got the labyrinth, which, yeah, you have a female lead and there is no hyper-masculine anything in that movie, um, that I can think of. In fact, the only one that is that you've got it kind of split into a, a fractal thing. You've got, mm-hmm. uh, um, Sir who is the daring do and I got to go forward. He's the yes. tiniest fucking character besides the worm. And yep. he's thoroughly inept and in it and inconsequential in a lot of ways then you've got ludo who is the big hulking brute who is the gentlest gentlest giant yeah and so yeah i mean you you don't have masculinity in that movie yeah and you've got jareth who is is very sexual like you said Mm -hmm. but none of them is a complete man package as it were speaking of which yeah yeah <laughs> yeah speaking of packages so warwick davis was uh is credited as part of the goblin core oh okay okay so it was before he'd gotten really big so he was you know well it was anyway he'd already paid played wicket well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway but he was he was still doing his work in sure you know, sure heavy makeup as opposed to being on screen as you know right. Warwick davis um so yeah um, so that's, that's kind of where, where my, my thesis here ends Okay, is by 86, we're into the second term of Reagan 
And there are other things going on and there are other outlets for this expression of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a level of economic turnaround and, yep. and like my own memory from my childhood at the age of 11 is there was not any pervasive feeling of me being threatened Mm-hmm. as a cishet white boy child you know what i mean sure sure and and so that 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 panic had that particular type of panic had somewhat subsided mm-hmm. and so that particular avenue of expression was no longer needed or, or was no longer selling tickets put it that way okay yeah so what Based on that, yeah. What's your takeaway? I'm I'm really interested in a podcast now where we just look at Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, like how he takes the hyper masculinity through fantasy, and then into uh, modern day militarism because he stops after he stops being shirtless uh, in fantasy movies after Conan the Destroyer, and he stops fantasy movies after Red Sonia. Yeah. Which is, I think, eighty five. And when's Predator? Predator is Predator's 80... a modern day thing, though. I'm not saying he stops being. Well, yeah, no, no, I, I understand, but, yeah. but but your 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 thing about shirtlessness, yeah, twigged somehow because oh, sure. well, the, there's the also, climax there's, of Predator. Yeah, there's also Raw Deal. Yeah, um, there is uh, Red Heat. <laughs> there is yeah. uh, Commando. Yep. Um, there's Predator. There's Total Recall. Um. All of those are he's still showing off his muscles to some extent or another. But in Total Recall, I don't think he spends hardly any time totally shirtless. No, he doesn't. Um, there's I think maybe one scene. Uh, other times it's it's ripped. It's much more about the gun stuff by that point. Yeah. It's Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, there he does still have feats of strength that happen in there. Although they're feats yeah. that anybody could have done for the most part. Although no, he rips his arm out of the thing. Um, but, uh, but yes, uh, by that point, it's kind of slowing down, but still you had, you had, uh, red heat, uh, commando predator and, um, uh, raw deal. What year is, yeah. What year is Rambo two? Rambo two is 85. Okay. I want to say I could be, I could be off by a year. That's the leading edge of that same. Yes. Yeah. Because that's that's America needs. To, I'm pretty sure it is 85 because that's America needing to recast, uh, lost in Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. Um. So that, that would make sense. That would be 10 years later. Uh, instead of it being First Blood, where, uh, hey, here's what happens when small town cops are really shitty to veterans. Yeah. Um. Instead, you know, and it, it just gets worse and worse, and then he ends up crying. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It it turns into something very very different. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would love to see an exploration from, uh, Hercules in New York all the way through. <laughs> I don't um, know if I want to subject myself to Hercules in New York. Hey, fuck you. I watched all of V. You can do something for the team here. All okay, right? fine. All right. All right. If I can find it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will find I'm it sure for it's you on YouTube. Just but, to do that. Yeah, okay. You. okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> But um, Hercules in the air, you, you, you could just glance at that. But honestly, Conan, uh, Barbarian and Destroyer and Red Sonia. His, his supporting role in Red Sonia. Yeah. 
um, as Kalidor, if I recall. Yeah. Um, and he's not shirtless through much, like, much of that. He, his heart, I don't think he gets shirtless in that one at all. Yeah, he's just wearing a jerkin. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> you said uh, jerkin. Anyway. <laughs> it's on a different table. Oh, okay. uh, but anyway, um, I, I, I'm fascinated by that. Uh, I... I think that you've pulled a Damien. You've spent two episodes to get us up to, I think, what is the meat of your thesis? <laughs> yeah, a little well bit. Done. Well, well done. Well done. Thank you. Um, and so I'm very excited to see the next iteration of this uh, and see if it's a three or a four parter. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I do think it's interesting that um, as we're talking the fantasy genre, it is in many ways it is a short short span of time where masculine fantasy genre occurs i mean it's it's you know i'll i'll take it back to wrestling stone cold steve austin is is famous but if you look at the time where he was truly on top it was three around four years three three to two year span wow that was it but he was white hot and same thing for this yeah. this fantasy genre masculinity just it's it's really what like uh four years yeah basically four years yeah four or five years that's yeah. that's wild considering how much space it takes up in in our brains yeah so yeah i'm i'm curious to see where this goes i'm looking very right. much forward yeah. to it yeah so mm-hmm. there we go what what have you been reading lately um uh, i have um been reading the new warriors uh omnibus that my brother bought me uh a while back okay uh, and it's really neat uh so um very cool those of you who listen to the speedball episode uh there's a lot of him in this and it's really interesting to to see what i didn't include in the episode okay um so that's kind of fun uh but what i'm going to recommend to people is actually a, a book by um Oh God, what's his name? James Stout, uh, and it's called "The Popular Front and the Barcelona 1936 Popular Olympics: Playing as if the World is Watching," and it's or was watching, and it's uh, it's it's largely about um, it, it, it's it's essentially it's it's the Popular Front Olympics as opposed to the Munich Olympics that Hitler did, <laughs> like oh, okay. his coming out party. Um, and, uh, it's also talking about the, the Spanish civil war, of course, um, which right. the Spanish civil war started the same day that popular front Olympics were supposed to start, um, which is, which is wild. Uh, and it, it's kind of talking about, uh, big event planning, but it's also talking about very leftist politics and excellence in, in athletics and things like that. So it, it tickles at a lot of things. So, and if that doesn't tickle your fancy, then uh, the art of war, uh, the graphic novel. Oh, there's a graphic novel for it. Okay. Um, somebody has taken to making a lot of classic books, graphic novels, and I am here for it. So, the art of war graphic novel is also what I will recommend. So, how about you? Uh, well, uh, very recently, uh, you gave me a book. Uh, thank you, by the yep. way, for it. Uh, knowing that I am a sword nerd, yes. um, uh, you you gave me a book, The Martial Arts of Japan, mm-hmm. which is a which is an English translation of. I don't know if you you took a close look at the interior of this book. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, but what was fascinating to me the moment I opened it, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 text that is being translated. Uh, was was written 
during the Meiji period. Yeah. And and it opens, speaking of, you know, concerns about masculinity, it oh. opens with a foreword in which the original author uh, laments the state of the current generation of uh, Japanese men and and the the decline of the samurai spirit. And and I read that and went, well, okay, I'm <laughs> definitely gonna have to sit down and read the rest of this shit because yeah. holy cow. Yeah. Um because it, it really is a remarkable artifact of that time period. Mm-hmm. So it's very niche. I don't know if I would, you know, recommend it to very many people in, <laughs> in our audience because it's very much an ed thing. Yeah. But I'm 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 having a great deal of fun with it. Oh, so glad. thank you very much for that. Yeah. It was it was awesome. I'm very glad. So yeah, it, it's hinge points in history plus the I, I love hinge points, you know, like yeah. where things are shifting. And I also love um I also know that you uh love the history of samurai. You you uh like the history of Japan. So it just it all kind of lined up. It was, it, it was yeah good. it, it gelled glad. in a very very big way. So yes. yeah. Yes. Well cool. Um, uh, where can people find you if they want to, if you want to be found? Um, I can be found at Mr. Underscore Blaylock on, uh, TikTok. Mm -hmm. I can be found at catfetcher 75 on Twitter. We collectively can be found on the website, www.geekhistorytime.com. And, uh, on Twitter, uh, while it still, uh, circles the widening gyre, um, we can be found at Geek History Time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, if you are listening to us, you have found our podcast on someplace, whether on our website or through one of the uh, subscription services that we are a part of. Um, so wherever it is that you have found us, uh, please take a moment to subscribe. Please mm-hmm. take a moment to give us the five-star review that you know uh, we deserve. And that's pretty much what I have to say. How about you? Where can you be found? Uh, honestly, let's see. This will have probably aired after our big show at Henry's in Sacramento. So I'm going to direct people to go to Luna's on March 3rd uh, in Sacramento for a capital punishment. It's going to be a banger of a show. There's a lot of really good contestants on that one. 8 p.m. Um, as it stands, uh, we we are we we need proof of vaccination and ten dollars uh, i say bring 20 because that way you can buy some merch you can get some nachos it's good times um we ask that people bring masks um but uh if not we will pro- we uh, have started providing them to people if they want to use them uh so we're we're trying to keep folks uh, a bit safer um and if you don't want to come march 3rd to luna's you can come april 7th to henry's again um, and it's going to be one hell of a show there. Same, same basic parameters. So come to one of those. That's that's mostly where you're going to find me right now. So, all right, cool. Well, for a geek history of time, I am a manly Damien Harmony, <laughs> and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, I will have my own kingdom, my own queen. <laughs>